That, that shit annoys me when people say, oh, Hitchcock made a mistake. That motherfucker doesn't make mistakes. He does not. <laughs> no. Absolutely no. not. <laughs> you want to tell me you saw Norman Bates' mother? talks to me like that I feel I'd like to go up there and curse her and, and, and leave her forever or at least a fire but I know I can't 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 hi I'm Kenny the final girl a boy's best friend is his mother and I'm Shaun of the Dead a son is a poor substitute for a lover <laughs> and this is the house that screams. If you can't tell by now, we are going to be discussing the 1960 Alfred Hitchcock classic, Psycho. Tonight, we have Dave Gurman. And then what? After supper, music? Whispers? <laughs> Mac the All-Star. Uh, I'm thinking roughly your car plus $700. $700? Ah, you always have time to argue money. <laughs> <laughs> Erica Wright. They cluck their thick tongues and shake their heads and suggest, oh, so very delicately. <laughs> I love them. Okay. Rob, the cinema junkie, Antiquetta. She just goes a little mad sometimes. We all go a little mad sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and Nico, nice. For any MC in any 52 states, I get Psycho Killer Norman Bates. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. I like it. Yeah, see, it was different. <laughs> we it was different. <laughs> any day is a good day for Woo. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and Old Dirty. That's right. So, Nico, uh, what do you have to say about Psycho? This is probably... First off, this is my my favorite Hitchcock film, hands down. Um, it's up there. Out of, it's up there. Out of, I mean, for me, that this is it. This is like the granddaddy of all his films. This is the one that um, I revisit the most out of all of them. Second would probably be The Birds. Birds. Yeah. But Those are classics. this one, yeah. but this I, one, I actually, there's something just very special about this one. I might actually prefer The Birds to this one. That's a tough call, man. I, yeah. I don't know. I think I think one of the things I love about the most um, was the fact that you know he basically like financed this on his own bankroll pretty much. Yeah. Um, he had the balls to make a, a black and white film when you know color was pretty much like all the rage at that point. And for me, the whole black and white aspect of the film is like it speaks volumes. Like it actually makes the movie um, colorful, if that makes sense. Like I, like I can I can actually visualize more with the black and white. Yeah. in this movie than I can with if it was in color. Yeah, most if that makes sense. It's very effective. Yes. Yeah. It is. Um, it's, it's an effective tool in this film. Um, very few filmmakers can actually pull off a black and white film and make it make sense. I mean, you know, Kevin Smith with Clerks, it worked with that as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, we all know he couldn't afford color, so hence why that movie was in black and white. But it also 
helpful like with its charm just like with psycho it helped like enhance like the viewing experience for me the fact that it was in black and white absolutely yeah uh rob yeah um going back to that about him uh funding the movie on his own it's like it's funny too because uh he was at a point in his career like he just done north by northwest you know big hit uh classy stars big budget kind of you know one of those big event movies you know and uh other people were doing like movies of his like his style like what he used to do like uh especially uh hg uh clouseau who did a uh, diabolique um and that was the movie where they was like oh the, he uh it, it out hitchcock's uh hitchcock you know what i'm saying it does a better hitchcock movie than hitchcock and psycho is basically his kind of like almost retaliation for that like he took that claim personally like like hitchcock almost said oh y'all want to fuck with me y'all want to <laughs> fuck around and find out See, you know <laughs> so like you know it's almost like he had like his tony montana moment he's like you yeah, want to yeah. play rock okay yeah oh 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 y'all want to go there okay okay we'll see so like you know he took his money he took his uh, uh crew from his uh tv show alfred hitchcock presents and he made this low budget show like you know this low budget basically trash you know to think that back in the day this was considered trash sleazy trash oh my god there's a woman walking around in her bra and there's a toilet flushing and they're not married and they're sleeping together oh my god my foolish <gasps> eyes oh no how could i ever go on that kind of shit so it was like uh, you know and he basically he did that you know saying as, as to prove a point like i still got a motherfucker like you know don't count me out. And it kind of worked too well because this started the whole trend of like basically slasher movies. Mm-hmm. And it, it led to like like you know, copycats of its ilk and shit. And basically his his retaliation left it open to a whole new genre of films and shit where critics were just like, oh man, we should have kept our fucking mouth shut. Now we got to deal with this type of movie over and over and over again. And, and just... <laughs> And more violent, more trashy, more sleazy than ever before, you know. So like, I, I just like that point. I just like the point that he kind of made this movie as a bit of like revenge, you know, what I'm saying. And critics paid the price ever since. <laughs> yeah, for for me, um, I like that he did it in black and white. Yeah. Um, I'm actually a big fan of classic films. So uh, Alfred Hitchcock's films, particularly this and The Birds, because they were my mother's favorites, were, and you can find this in season one if you dare dig there. Um, they were very uh, instrumental in like early horror for me. Um, I'm still scared of birds to this day, but uh, oh, yeah. I don't fuck with birds. But but Psycho was was something so different, and what he did basically, like what Rob was saying, is it, they didn't want to pay because you know based on the novel and the novel was so sensationalized, um, you know they were like absolutely we're not fucking financing this, and and like Rob said they'd been working with like Jimmy Stewart, Cary Grant, all these fucking huge names, and he got tired of that bullshit, and he wanted to make something low budget, but in lieu of pay. Because they wouldn't pay him, he took sixty percent of the returns, and they said this thing's never gonna make any money. It's mm-hmm. never gonna be, and, and it ended up being his most successful financially film. And it had a bit of the ballyhoo to it that was kind of popular in the fifties, and I mean this was nineteen sixty. So, 
but I mean, but it was it didn't have the trashiness of the Ballyhoo because it was like they had these big standees of Alfred Hitchcock at the theaters where they were showing it, saying once Psycho starts, you cannot go into the theater. You have to be there on time because we don't we want you to have the full Psycho experience. And as we all know. With Psycho, one of the beautiful things, I mean, we talked last episode about what a dick Alfred Hitchcock was, and he was, but I really think he was a brilliant filmmaker, and what he does with this film is the first fucking half of the film, you think you're watching one film, and then suddenly you're watching a different film, and you're like, oh, fucking shit, and so that's why he wouldn't let people go in late, because you had to get that full experience of, like, Oh, okay. Here's this woman. She's sold him this money, and he's done caper films before, you know. Right. So we, you're thinking it's that, but it's not. We got fucking Norman Bates and Janet Leigh and, and and Anthony Perkins, who I love. Fucking Anthony Perkins. If you have not seen his work prior to Psycho, you are missing out. Fear Strikes Out, Friendly Persuasion mm. are my two favorites. Uh, but yeah, they were typecasts for life. Yeah, that was a sad. And, that was a sad thing. With, Janet Lee's uh, okay Perkins. with it. Anthony Perkins said he was, but he was not. He yeah, had a very definitely. interesting and pretty tragic life, mm-hmm. to be honest. Yeah. But uh, I'll I'll pass the torch uh, to Erica. Awesome. Um, so I'm like probably in the minority. So um, when I saw it uh, years and years ago, I actually didn't care for it. I'm liking it better now. <laughs> I, I guess I, it was just like hype to the point where my expectations were let down. And I also didn't like the misogyny, you know, of, of certain elements of it, which is pretty typical of Hitchcock. I mean, he had terrible yeah. attitude. Yeah. Right. Um, mm. And the like other that. thing that me off to it was the, the explanation at the end. I thought, as uh, someone who took a lot of psychology coursework, this is a garbage explanation. Yes. Although, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Most yeah. definitely. It was although very of the times. It was. Right. Was, it was. And uh, the popularity of uh, Freudian psychology at that time. And uh, they also kind of drew on some craft at being, you know, psychopathia, sexualist, explaining he's not a transvestite because he doesn't get off on that. And they had to say he's not a fetishist, basically. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it does reflect that time period and that Freudian uh, psychoanalysis was really popular, although now a lot of it's been debunked. But uh, yes. anyway, now now I, I'm watching it again after over 10 years of not seeing it. I do like it a lot better and I appreciate it more. Um, That's good. On the subject of... Um, standards of what's kid appropriate. The other funny thing for that time was my film professor told me that he he actually asked for a child's ticket to Psycho when it came out and they gave it to him because they didn't have the rating system that that we have now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you could, as a little kid, go see that movie. (laughs) That's wild. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, Mac. So like so for me I I remember seeing it a long time ago I was young maybe like 10 11 and it left me with some maybe today still type fears like I don't fuck with shitty looking motels and uh, <laughs> when I take yeah. showers and I'm washing my face and my hair I like try to do it a little quick because I'm like yo someone's gonna be like right there no it's true when I take my hands yeah. off my face let I'm people have same that from <clears throat> this film though I do. Right. You know, so watching it, 
today, actually, literally two hours ago, for the purpose of this discussion, I realized two things. One, I missed a whole lot because I was young. So things went over my head. Mm-hmm. I was it, it was just more understandable now that I'm an adult and I'm like, aha. And two, I've been doing myself a real disservice for a long time by not coming back to it sooner. And uh, yeah. I actually, I thought it was really good now that I rewatched it. I was like, man, this is crazy. And when we discuss more, I know I'll have some stuff that I need to ask you guys. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, Dave. Well, this movie came along at a really interesting time um, in a film industry. It was sort of the end of the production code uh, time period. like, and, and it was like Hitchcock, like realizing that that time was coming to an end because television was becoming more of a thing. And so film moviegoers were looking for more of a thrill when they went to the theaters. And so he realized we have to show a little more. So they had to, he had to, he put the, this is the first time you ever saw a toilet flush in the mm-hmm. yeah. film. I mean, I read that. I'm like, really? The, like a toilet mm-hmm. flush? And like to, at the very beginning when you see them, uh, 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 Marion and, and Sam in the bed together. That's like, that was shocking for its day. Scandalous. Yeah. Pushing the fucking limit. Well, even the, even the poster, remember? Yeah. Gray area between the production code and what we have now. And that's Hitchcock jumping in there and saying, you know, here's what I got. And it, it's yeah. so fascinating to me to, to see that. That's I love the way Hitchcock just sensed that weakness and just pushed it in there. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Nico. I think for me, one of the things that that really resonates with me more so is not even like the big set pieces when, you know, the infamous shower scene, which, you know, is iconic in its own right, because that that alone, I think it can be up for discussion for another time about how like they shot that. But for me, it's like the smaller, like quieter moments, like when Norman is actually talking to Marion and, yeah. and that when they're actually having like, like that, like that dinner scene, like you kind of get it like the, Something's not quite right, but you're not sure because this guy seems like he's too meek to, you know, really do anything. But but in reality, it's it's the quiet ones like you need to watch out for. The boy next door, maybe. Always. Right. Always. It's like it's like you know this. You know, we always talk about how you know misogyny and all this stuff. But but Norman Bates is the ultimate mama's boy next to Jason Voorhees. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, I mean they're, these, they're these two are awful. like are like the poster poster boys for Mama's Boys in horror movies because mm-hmm. I don't I don't think there's anybody even remotely on the same level as those two. But Norman was first. Yes. And and you know a lot of that a lot of that is credited to Anthony Perkins like how he portrayed Norman. I'm sure. And from what I read, he actually him and Janet Lee both had a lot of input, which is rare for Hitchcock to, on on how their characters were developing and really portrayed on the screen. Like the whole candy corn thing, that was all Anthony Perkins. That wasn't in the script. You know, and in the the original the original novel, Norman's like a, a middle aged, uh, fat, balding alcoholic. So the yeah. fact that he cast Anthony Perkins oh, in this role was attractive. Like, they were like they were like, wait a minute, you know, like what's going on? Oh, you know, I I just like the whole misdirect with, with everything. Yeah. Oh masterful. Um if I could just add on to that, I mean, I think uh, here's where I'm going to bring up Ed Gein. Ed Gein is the poster boy of, like, real-life mama's boys. Mm-hmm. And so Psycho was the first film that was 
kind of based on that. Obviously, it was played down. We got more of what Ed Gein was really, really, really doing in um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But in this now, and, and, and like Nico said, what I wanted to uh, comment on with that is my favorite, one of my favorite scenes that's really unsettling to me, it's very, very subtle. It's when Marion and um, Norman are talking and they're sitting in that room with all the fucking stuffed birds yes. and, and shit. And she's like, oh, you know, in a taxidermy. And he's like, yeah, you know, you should always have a good hobby. You know, like we've got... And, and the casting was perfect. You know, Anthony Perkins, you know, he looked like the guy next door. He was very meek, very sweet, got a sweet, innocent face. You know, you would never suspect what was coming. But that moment was unsettling. Like, okay, because you, you, it's something that if you watch it when you're younger, when I watched it as a kid, it didn't get to me. But as an adult, I'm thinking if I'm right. sitting by myself in this motel, this motherfucker eating some food, right. and we're sitting in a room full of all the shit that he stuffed, you know what taxidermy is all about. You know, they take all the insides and, out, put glass eyeballs in, and they, it's, you know, it's stuffed skin, and I'm just like... And he even hits her with that one line, and she's like, oh, is this your hobby? I like to stuff things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Literally so says, like, I like to stuff things, and then not so, like, so subtle way. It's like that, that, yeah. that unease, and I think it's an unease that everyone feels, but more poignantly, females feel when they're alone in a potentially dangerous situation with a male. Yeah. You know, you start to feel threatened and you're like, okay, I've got to handle this guy. Like, okay, yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow, look at the time. I got to go to bed. Got to go. Uh, yeah, so she's like. When he, says he loves stuffing birds and then he compares her to a bird. That's kind of a little. Yeah, then she's like, oh, yeah. I got to go take a shower. There's, like, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of bird. foreshadowing in that scene if like people really mm -hmm. pay attention. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think that's it's also the really brilliance of Hitchcock, scene. the way he and sets up like that, that whole scene. Yeah, that whole taxidermy thing. And it, that was their, I, I believe, the nod to Ed Gein mm -hmm. because he worked in Antanary and we know the shit that he did with human skin and all that. And and the preservation, the, the foreshadowing with the taxidermy, um, as we know from our famous climax of the film, um, how that comes into play. But I mean, that's such an uneasy moment that you that you don't get necessarily like you feel a little uneasy. But at the end of the film, you're like, oh, fucking shit. Oh, shit. I get right. it. You know, I'm kind of with Erica. I'm, I'm kind of in the minority here. Like, this isn't my favorite Hitchcock film. Um, <laughs> when I was when I was in college, I took a, a film class and there were probably seven or eight films that we discussed. And there were three Hitchcock films. And this was one of them. And we spent hours in this class going over the film, camera angles, you know, the way scenes were shot and, you know, all this stuff. And I think I just spent too much time with it. Like, it's not a bad movie. It's, yeah. I mean, a considered a masterpiece. But yeah. it just, I think it was just, you know, shoved in my face so many times that I just mm -hmm. kind of burnt out, burnt out. One second, one second. <laughs> Um, that's how I feel about all the lit classes I took. A lot of people love these books, and I'm like, uh, I fucking had to dissect that book, and then it just takes all the fun out of it for you. So, uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's kind of how it, how it felt. And you know, we've talked before about you know, I I didn't really get into a lot of whole classic films until Candy and I you know got involved with one another, and she started to introduce me to these other films. And so movies like um, Strangers on a Train. 
um, mm. Shadow of a Doubt. Uh, those those Shadow have become doubt. those have become two of my favorite Hitchcock films. And so you know, while this is a masterpiece and I do enjoy it, uh, it's definitely not my favorite. Now, before I hand this off, I do want to touch on the Ed Ed Gein because uh, topic because she brought it up. <laughs> so when when Robert Block wrote this novel. You know, he wrote this not based off Ed Gein, but based off the situation, based off the circumstance. Right. And so it was, you know, it was mainly about, you know, a killer living in middle America, completely unsuspected. You know, all of the ideas of like, you know, him, you know, keeping his mother around and all that stuff that that was all, you know, Robert Block. But, you know, the idea that you had all these different films uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Silence of the Lambs, you know, that that used bits and pieces of of Ed, Ed Gein. Um, bits and pieces, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's you know, it's fascinating to me because, you know, we take these these real life stories of these murderers and these serial killers and, you know, it's like we glorify them and the scariest monsters are real. You know yes. what I'm saying? Yeah. And and so we take those things and we insert them into, you know, our, our fantasy realm to make them that much more creepy. And I think that that's, you know, that's where, you know, somebody like um, Norman Bates succeeds as a creepy character is because, I mean, look at Anthony Perkins. Mm-hmm. He is so, like, unsuspecting. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, and I no. think that, that that's what makes him, you know, uh, uh, terrifying. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, Erica, I believe you were next. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, eh, what was the point I was going to make? Um, I did want to bring up, uh, yes, in the Bible, aka Carol Clover's Men, Women, and Chainsaws, she yes. breaks down various ways in which Psycho really set the formula for a lot of slasher films to come, even though, you know, not perfectly, because the final girl thing didn't come about until. Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Halloween. Um, But uh, the fact you've, you've got a sexually confused or gender confused killer. You have a woman who's sexually active outside of marriage and she did other bad stuff. So she's going to be punished in the film. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, also uh, the the formula of, uh, Killers in these movies do not use guns. They use primitive weapons like knives, things that penetrate. So then it fits in with that uh, sexually frustrated Freudian kind mm-hmm. of theme. So, yeah, I, yeah. I do appreciate how this movie uh, kind of is a, a precursor to a lot of the more modern films that we still love. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Rob. Yeah, um... I, I wanted to touch on that as well. The it the influence of this movie is just like it's just you know, like look at look at Halloween you know what I'm saying, with uh, the doctor <laughs> Sam Loomis and uh of course um and it, it just happened to be serendipitous because he he didn't want Jamie Lee Curtis. He originally wanted another actress and just happened to you know, she she wasn't available or I, I don't think she even wanted to do it and he just happened on Jamie Lee Curtis who is Janet Lee's daughter, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So so like <laughs> you know, and going into that, like, you know, the primitive weapons, you know, the knife and stuff, and it's like you like 
like it was going back to what I was saying. This like this this whole this movie's DNA is spread out over an entire genre of of films, you know. And like like I said, he he didn't even really mean to do that. He, he just wanted to make something quick and trashy, you know. And uh, like like I said, I I agree that I don't th- I don't believe it's his best movie. I mean, it's certainly not my favorite, but it's up there. Uh, I prefer the Lady Vanishes myself. The Michael Redgrave for the win, everybody. <laughs> but um, it's definitely, I would say, uh, to quote Leonard Moulton, it's his most notorious film. Yes. I will say, yeah. It's definitely his most notorious film. He went in there with, like, you know, being absolutely cheeky and mm-hmm. just... Uh, that was just went, Yeah, and just basically made a phenomenon, which, which, which wasn't his intention. He just wanted to do something quick. And also, uh, to, to touch on, like, you know, the scarier aspects of this movie, like, that's the genius of Hitchcock himself, because he, you know, that, in the, like I said, in the original book, you know, uh, uh, Norman is, like, fat and balding, you know, pretty much the guy you would suspect to be, like, the killer, the guy you would cross the street to avoid. You wouldn't right. cross the street to avoid Anthony Perkins. Anthony Perkins is the guy like, hey, how you doing? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, mm-hmm. which is which makes him susceptible, like, you know, to be all, that much more scarier because yes. you don't suspect him to be the one that's the killer. And uh, that's that's the genius of Hitchcock right there. You know, like, like, I mean, yeah, he's a prick, you know, to, oh, yeah. uh, I, I, I remember. Um. What was the not not the not the one uh, Hitchcock with uh, Anthony Hopkins the other one the the girl oh, the which is basically movie, right? yeah yeah the one that was basically about Tippi Hedren's experience yeah. my father watched that and I was watching a Hitchcock movie and my father was like how can you watch this guy's movies he was an asshole what he did to that poor woman you know what I'm saying yeah was like, they fucking yeah, ruined no. her yeah yeah he really did so like I mean I I can sit there and call Anthony, um uh Alfred Hitchcock an absolute fucking scum bag and still appreciate the man's work. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. I also, yes. I also, I also want to debate that the um, the plot twist in uh, coming early in Vertigo is not a mistake for people who keep saying such. The oh, the plot twist in Vertigo appears too early, and no, the fuck it doesn't. He knew exactly what no. he was doing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, like that. That shit annoys me when people say, "Oh, Hitchcock made a mistake." That motherfucker doesn't make mistakes. He does not. <laughs> no, Absolutely no. not. No, the, the, you don't like, agree on that. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I, let me go off on a tangent for a second. Like, in Vertigo, um, <laughs> that's him employing like his. He, he, I, I'm pretty sure you guys are aware of his technique, uh, the bomb under the table. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, the plot twist coming early in Vertigo is basically the bomb under the table, but with Jimmy Stewart being the bomb. And when he finds out what's happening, you're waiting for him to explode. Because that's that's the whole suspense. Like, what's he going to do when he finds out? And that's the whole point of Vertigo and shit. If people saying this is a mistake, go fuck yourself. Yeah, <laughs> you're just wrong. But the, the only mistake uh, Alfred Hitchcock makes is that he regrets casting James Stewart in Vertigo. And fuck you, buddy. James Stewart was fucking amazing in Vertigo. Jimmy well, Stewart is everything Joe ever sass. Oh. Yeah. 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 Oh, he was he was too old. I, I shouldn't have cast somebody else. Go fuck yourself, Hitchcock. No, he wasn't. <laughs> he was amazing. That's my dude. He was he was amazing in that fucking movie. Nico. All right, so a couple things I want to call out about about the film that, that have been touched on already, kind of. So there's the shower scene. Um, you know, the brilliance of the shower scene is that you don't see anything. You think you do, but you don't. Yes. And 
you know, to be fair, this is a, you know, came out, I, I guess, at the right time for this because to this day, people are still afraid to take showers fully and, you know, alone. Like, I mean, I know as myself watching on a horror movies, I know anytime I go even into my own bathroom, I check behind the curtain every time. Absolutely. <laughs> Just especially before I even take a week. Fans, especially horror fans, we always like, you're like, oh, but, it's back there. Even the slightest anytime. noise, even the slightest noise in the shower, it's like, I share with the door open if that makes. I do too. I do too. No, I make sure that my door is locked. I make sure my door is locked. I don't lock it. I shut it though. I don't trust locked doors. No locked doors. Bendy wire. Bendy wire. It's only my wife in the house. This this also goes to when I go to other people's houses, not not to be like, but I I check just in case because I don't fucking know what if I'm especially if I don't know them, I'm gonna check behind the curtain just to make sure like somebody's not fucking trying to be. Cute and fucking hide there and try to jump out and scare a motherfucker because like I don't want to get dead. I, I do too. Yeah, because I and, and I love I always get I always get the response like oh what do you do if you see somebody back there like I'm knocking him the fuck out is what I'm doing. <laughs> like what do you think I'm gonna fucking just fucking stand there and scream fuck that. Um, so that, that's number one. Um, plus the fact that like honestly like it actually unnerved Janet Lee for many years mm-hmm. after she finally saw the, the shower scene that she had a hard time fully taking a shower like because you know she even said that's the that's when somebody's at the most vulnerable next next to sleeping yeah. is when you're in the shower um another tactic because i know everybody keeps talking about how like you know hitchcock was such a misogynistic pig and he was mm-hmm. but i found out another scare tactic slash um i guess they were just trying to see if it was effective was he kept hiding a different like um dummy of of mrs mrs bates Mm-hmm. Like the corpse in her in her dressing room, so he was trying to get, I guess, either scare her or get a reaction out of her to see, like, you know, what what she thought of this particular, you know, item. Um, and then another scene too, I know, it's, you know, we talk about the ending, we talk about the ending, and you know, it is a brilliant twist ending. But I think the more effective scene in the end is not the actual twist; it's when they're actually in the police station and he's having the conversation with himself and he hears mm-hmm. himself talking as his mother in his mother's voice. Fly, but it's fucking fly. And he's yep, quiet the whole time this is all going on in his head. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like that's that's the brilliance of, of not just Hitchcock, but again of also Anthony Perkins and how he really took the ball and, and ran with it with this character. Absolutely. For me, um Couple things. Um, usually this is Rob's area, but I'm gonna steal it from him. Uh, what? What? Yeah. what? I'm what? gonna steal it. I got there first. Sorry. Uh, the, the score of this film. Ah. That's Hitchcock what I was gonna bring himself, up. The absolute egomaniac, megalomaniac, you could say. Uh, hey, he, he says was. he was. He said that he doubled the salary of the score maker, uh, score writer Bernard Herrmann's uh, fee, because it was 33% of the effect of Psycho. And his that's in quotations. He said that, and and it, that it, I love that it's all strings, you know. No. Um, and it's just you know, and that theme. Everybody, even people who haven't seen the film, know what that fucking <laughs> yeah, they know that as Psycho. I mean. To be fair, Buster Rhymes even sampled the opening like. Yes, musical score that's what I was gonna say. More. That's no. like my favorite song too. Like, Buster oh. did it. Did it justice too? Give me some yeah. other. So, 
Wait, wait. So, so also, also, uh, also used yeah. I was just about to say that. Also, yeah. uh, reanimators fucking sampled it. Too. Yes, yeah. yes, that's <laughs> the entire nice. fucking score. But it's known as not just one of the like not just the best horror score of all time, but one of the best scores in general. I'm just saying, like, no. this is like the American Film Institute. They think they fucking know everything. I'm just relaying the information here. In my personal opinion, I do think it ranks up there because um, it's it so iconic and it sticks with you. And it just really, add, it, you know, Hitchcock was right. It really does fucking add to the atmosphere, especially as the movie goes on. You yeah. know, we start, you know, everything happens, you know, because literally, I mean, the first half of the film is just like a different movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and then so when we get to the part where it turns into the other movie, the uh-huh. movie it really fucking is, that score really comes into play. And I, I just think like, wow, like Hitchcock giving somebody else some credit. Oh, my God. You know, this is no. big. Uh, but yeah, but everybody knows that. My kids who have never really sat down and watched Psycho all the way through because it's boring. They don't like black and white films. Um, they know it. You know, no. kids know this shit. <laughs> So that says something for a 1960 movie. This movie was made before my mother was born. And my children know the score. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what can I'm I, saying? Can I throw in real quick? Yes. I, I, ha- I had my hand up because I wanted to talk about uh, Bernard Herrmann. Uh, but you, <laughs> you, you stole my thunder. So, um, well, I can't read your mind. Sorry. <laughs> so, I mean, Bernard Herrmann, he's fantastic. He did, you know, countless other Hitchcock films, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Vertigo, Marnie, um, mm. did fucking Taxi Marnie's Driver. My yeah. <clears throat> you know, ta- and Taxi Driver was his last one. Yeah. And uh, the the use of, of the strings in this film is, is fucking haunting. Yeah. And my one of the, the interesting things that I read that I didn't know and I just found out uh, today when I was doing research about this was that Hitchcock actually wanted to do the shower scene with no music whatsoever. Yeah, yes. And and Bernard Herrmann knew this, but he wrote a score for it anyway. And when Hitchcock heard the score, he ended up using it because mm-hmm. it was so masterful. Yeah. Yeah, and it does definitely enhances the scene. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah, you all, um, yeah it's, it's like stabbing. Yeah. Um, Mac? Uh, so like you guys touched it earlier, how black and white like made the film. I had a fun when I first put it on. I was like, man, I could go for some color. And Rob <laughs> could contest to this because he's trying to get me to watch many a black and white films. Rob but, and I um, are black and white. Rob and I are black and white buddies on on yeah. films. Absolutely. One scene in particular, when the detective comes into the house, he starts walking up the stairs. I mean, I was smoking weed. But the visual <laughs> felt like it changed, almost like a 3D background of him walking up that I kind of was like, whoa, hooked, that I didn't care it was black and white anymore. And then yeah. he got stabbed in the face and yeah. rolling <laughs> down the stairs, I would say. It was a little awkward, but that scene itself had me like, all right, yeah. I, I definitely played myself on not checking Martin this Balsam out. Martin Balsam shines in even the tiniest roles. Hell yeah. yeah. You mean you mean to discount Ernest Borgnine? <laughs> <laughs> I love wow. both, okay? Wow. Um, Dave. Well, the, we were talking, like, I, so we were talking about how, like, Hitchcock made this movie on the cheap because the studio didn't want to give him a full budget because the uh, subject matter was so 
you know, lowbrow and nasty. And but, taboo. But this movie yeah. in color, like the entire first half of the movie is like uh, Janet Lee starting out like bright colored, like bright light. And then she steals the money and she's driving and it gets darker as she's driving towards her, you know, ultimate fate. And then she gets to the hotel. I don't know if it would have even, I can't even imagine this movie in color. Because yeah. it, it gets like, even at like in the initial scene, she's wearing a bra that's white. And after right. she steals the money, she's wearing a bra that's black. Yes. And her handbag changes from white to black too. And, and then in the shower scene, which is the penultimate scene, she, she's all, it's all brightly lit. And she's happy because she's decided to go back and face what she's done, and then she fucking dies. You know, it's like I don't know. I, would this have even worked in color? Because yeah. in not- my brain, I think it would have. Sorry. <laughs> I don't think so. I I, I like it. I think time. that Hitchcock taking the limitations of his budget and making the most of it. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, you're gonna limit me, and I'm gonna fucking show you. You know. Exactly. Like I said, it was good. Like by the time I was done, I was like, man, I want to press replay. <laughs> it was pretty good. <laughs> You want color? Watch the fucking remake, bro. <laughs> no, you told me not to. No. First, first, you had me gas and I bought the wrong yes. one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that that was fucking my house. funny, but I was like, and I will repeat this for listeners: we will never cover that. We Unless will never cover that shot for shot remake with Vince Vaughn. Never, <laughs> ever, 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 ever. It sucks because I actually like Vince Vaughn, and that movie was fucking terrible, and he was completely yeah. miscast. Yeah, like, thank you. hold on, hold on. Let's just let's just go on a rant for a real second. Who, like, I mean, Gus Van Sant, like, like I don't care that you made. I love Good his Will films, Hunting. but not that one. Yeah, I don't care that you made yeah. Global Hunting. Who the fuck looks at Vince Vaughn and goes, "Yeah, that's my Norman Bates." Fuck right. you, motherfucker. <laughs> Quit smoking and get your shit together. Yeah, who the fuck <laughs> looks at Anne Hayes and goes, "That's my Marion Crane." Get the Actually, the only ones that actually fit in that movie were Viggo Mortensen <laughs> yeah. and Julianne Moore, who I absolutely yes. love. I love yes, yes, her. Yes, yes, and yes. And I'm like, I'm in love with her. Like, I think she's like one of the hot, still. She's still the baddest bitch. Anyway, and I say that, I say that with total respect because she is fucking ever since Boogie Nights as Amber Waves, loved her. And oh William God, H yes. Macy because he's a great actor. Yeah. I know, right? But every, and, everything else, like you know, Anne Hayes and Vince yeah. Vaughn, they, they did not fit that. Yeah. No. Mm-mm. And I like Gus Van Sant's films, but most of them. Uh, my favorite is My Own Private Idaho, but that's some weird art house. So you know what? Though? I feel like Kevin Smith captured the essence of Gus Van Sant in Chance Island Bob Strike Back. Yeah, and he's yeah, the money. yeah. And he's like, Jesus, no. Ben, I told you I'm busy. I'm, I'm really busy right now. He's just counting all the money. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Um, Speedy, which, uh, Nico, it's your hands up, so you go ahead. Well, I just kind of wanted to touch on the um, what Dave was saying about the beginning of the movie, where and, and something you said also, how it's like almost two different movies, like in one movie, where um, this this might not have been the first time, but it was. I, I feel like this is the more accepted, where um, you know the, the 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 actress does well, the, the character does something very like dastardly by stealing money from from her boss. And ultimately, you know, yes, she gets her comeuppance, you know, but I feel like this is one of the first times, like, really, like, in a psychological thriller or horror movie where, like, that whole, you know, Judeo-Christian of the Ten Commandments kind of really kicks in with thou shalt not steal. And then 
here comes her punishment at the hands of Norman Bates later in the movie. And I love how, you know, they spend 20 minutes or so with her, and in the book, she's only in two chapters. Even on the Bates Motel show, where Rihanna uh, portrayed her, she's only in, like, two or three episodes tops, and they kind of just, you know, gloss over the... Like, this movie kind of gives Marion, like, her whole, you know, like, like, center stage, even if it's only for 20 minutes. I mean... You know, Christ, this this gave birth to like that the, the opening scene in Scream where you know Drew yeah. Barrymore was was cast and then she's killed off right in the beginning. So it's like shit, like what the fuck, like they advertised Drew Barrymore, but then we stay for the rest of the movie, which I get. Good old switcheroo. You know, right, where it's like, Good it's, old and, and I know everybody hates. I, I love it, the, but the Friday the Thirteenth remake, even with that one, it kind of gave you like the whole. You kind of got psyched out by, by the final girl in that one because you thought yeah. it was gonna be be one person. All of a sudden, it's like, oh shit, I didn't see that coming. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's the same thing with this. Like, I'm sure audiences had no clue that Janet Lee was going to get killed in the first 20 minutes of the movie. Well, you had All American Girl and All American Boy, you know, right. Janet Lee and, yeah. and Anthony Perkins, who were typecast after this, but they were perfect at the time for the casting because nobody would have suspected what was going to fucking happen. Yeah. One thing I do want to bring up quick before, before Rob does take over, um, and it, this has to do with Janet Lee, where her where her cameo in H two O with with her yeah. daughter Jamie Lee, she gets to drive the original car mm-hmm. from that, that she drove in Psycho, which I thought was a pretty cool little touch that they did for her in that movie. Yeah. I did like that. That was the only fucking thing I liked about that. But yes, I I don't mind H two O, but that's that's another story. Uh, it's not Rob Zombie's. I like H two O for another day. I like H2O. Like, I, I don't understand what, what's all this new hate for H2O. Right. I don't hate it's it. It's not new I've for me. I hated it right from the beginning. <laughs> Isn't that the one that got busted? And I was like, no. No, no. That's no, resurrection. That was my, my fucking, my fucking uh, guilty pleasure. Like, I got really stoned and went to go see that. And I loved it. So did I, I, even, yeah, but it I loved help. it. Look at my man Wong Chung Lee whipping everybody's ass with a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least fucking Mines went toe to toe with Mikey and fucking whooped that ass a little. You know, at least he got some shots in. Trick or treat, motherfucker. Motherfucker. <laughs> I have that t shirt. Um, so if ever do Resurrection, I'm totally rocking that fucking t shirt. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> nah, I know, but it's okay. Nah, totally. <laughs> um, now, like, uh, uh, we were talking about like scary scenes, the like the scary scenes, like you know, going back to the shower scene, like you know the the iconic shower scene. Um, yeah, that 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 one put the fear in everybody, you know, to this day as we 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 went on about um, and we all checked the shower. But you know what's? I remember the first time I watched this, uh, I was in the living room. Uh, in the dark, as I like to watch horror movies with a blanket wrapped around me. Aww. So I, so when I got scared, I could easily cover my face. And uh, you know what scenes, you know what scenes scared me the most um, was the very, was not the very end, but the the climax when uh, um, Lila finds um, the 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 really decayed corpse of uh, yeah of uh, Mrs. Bates and the and like she turns around, she spins around. Preserved. Give yeah, like skills. But when <laughs> when Norman comes in wearing her outfit and you see that fucking insane maddening look on his face. <laughs> and he, like you realize madness has really just taken over by now. That and that's I love the, how Lila throws the uh you know yeah. the baby miles, but she kind of hits the yeah. light 
and it's yeah. swinging back and yes. forth like fucking it. That's like masterpiece material. It, oh, mm-hmm. it really is. And the way like he he comes in, he's just like got the mouth wide open. He's completely fucking mad at this point. And the way she just backs up in fear and uh, John Gavin, uh, the stiff, as Alfred Hitchcock liked to refer to him because his acting was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just hold, holding him. It's just holding him like, uh, uh, uh. you know, he reminds me of when he's holding Norman. He reminds me of uh, Bruce Campbell in the in the original Evil Dead when he's being pinned down by the broken piece of the shelf. And it's like, dude, uh, seriously, yeah. this is yeah, awful. So yeah, it's, it's the cringiest. Even, I like how even even Bruce is like, yeah, I should have just pretended I was more knocked out. Yeah. How, yeah, is this one piece of, how is this one piece of shelf holding me the fuck down? <laughs> But like yeah, like that's the that's the scene that uh, I remember on Twitter. They was like, "What horror scene lives rent free in your head?" And there's many of them, but that's the one that uh, lives rent free in my head. That one shot of Norman dressed as Norma when he comes in, he's just like completely right. fucking, just completely fucking insane at this yeah. point, you know. Which Yo, leads to the final, <laughs> which leads to the final oh. shot of the movie, uh, which is my favorite shot in the movie, which is uh, you know. They'll know he won't. She won't even hurt a fly. And he's just got like he's he's pure fucking insane by this point. Got that like that devilish smile. smile. Oh my god! Like that right there is one of my all-time favorite shots in movies ever. Like right there, Norman smiling at the camera, and then you have the like the subtle superimposed skull of Norma on. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and just and also to give credit to Anthony Perkins because nobody could have pulled that smile Thank off. Thank you. That like you know just that 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 slow grin like I'm completely fucking insane and it's it's wonderful at this point you know what I'm saying? But uh, yeah yeah that's that's all I wanted to add to that. Um, for me, I there's so many iconic things about Psycho, and you know that ending, like. I don't know. It's it's probably one of the better endings we have gotten, especially from that time period. But even going through horror in general, um, those last moments uh, that we have where, you know, you were just talking about with Norman coming in and the wig kind of falling off and the guy's Mm. holding him and he's got the knife and the dress on and you're just like, holy shit. And then it goes on and you're like, what? Oh, God. And then, um, you know, he's just sitting in there. And then, you know, the guy comes in, he's like, well, I got the whole confession, but I didn't get it from Norman. They're like, well, who the fuck did you get it from? Right. Yeah, but of course they said in, like, 1960s, like, oh, like what do you mean? Oh. Um, mm. But, um, like, oh, I got it from his mother. They're like, uh, okay, now you're crazy, too. But then when he explains it, like, goosebumps. <laughs> You've already got the fucking goosebumps. And then you, it, then after that, it cuts to Norman sitting in the room, and he's completely become the mother, and the thoughts are the mother's thoughts. He is norma and you know just the way that he creepily watches that fucking fly i wouldn't hurt a fly mm-hmm. you'll see and that smile that smile that was so winsome when we first meet this character like all american boy loves his mommy you know whatever you know it's suddenly a smile of a fucking murderer and you're just like oh god i was so like taken in by it and now i'm like oh god don't ever smile anymore. Please stop. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and I, I, I love Anthony Perkins. I had a terrible crush on him. 
And uh, I just, uh, I liked uh, some of his other films, but in this film it was great. And I, I was tremendously sorry that it, it kind of railroaded his career. Um, yeah. All he could do was uh, more psycho films, which it took a while to do. And uh, when and then he finally took creative control and was directing them. Um, I actually like uh, the the last one that he did. Uh, that was uh, Olivia Hussey played his mother. Oh yeah, Psycho Four, the beginning. Oh, so Psycho Four. Yeah. That Anthony Perkins directed that, and uh, no, you know, not that one. That was Mick oh, Garris. Oh, no, he did the third one. He did Psycho Three. That one's Psycho my three. that. That one's the one I actually prefer in the series. I like that one a lot too, but we, I, I love you know, that one. But I do like uh, that one with Olivia Hussey because it got to to me to more have like more of the mythos as, as to why he was so like that. Yeah. You know. It, it also, if I may add, um, going back all the way the far back to our Haunting a Hill House episode, young Norman is played by Henry Thomas. Little Elliot from E.T. Little Elliot, yes. yeah. And, uh, you know, going to, like, even then, like, you know, it, it was just unfathomable that uh, Little Elliot would be such the amazing actor. But, like, if you watch that, you would have known, you know what I'm saying? Because he was great. Dude, he's and... fucking amazing. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Elliot. Yeah. It's a, it's a kind of um, piggyback off what you just said, uh, Candy. Also, the fact that he says a line when he's having the dinner scene with Marion where he said, uh, a, a son is not a replacement for a lover, for a mother. Yeah. Yes. But so see, like we don't pre- touch on that in the series right. again until way, way later, like not too long before he died. And when um, Anthony Perkins did that, when um, and then you finally start to understand. And I never watched Base Motel, but I, if, from my understanding, it's they did so go good. into that. Yeah, it really was. Really and really I was. love really Freddie Highmore, so I do need to put that on my to watch list. Um, I just you, finished the show. You will so not I regret it. That show up. is phenomenal. Yeah, it's I phenomenal. just caught up on Handmaid's Tale, so that's going to get added. But anyway, um, yeah. So the, I just for now, that's what I want to touch on. Um, uh, who is next? Dave. Dave. Thank you, Nico. <laughs> so watching this film the last couple of days, getting ready for this, the thing that stuck out to me the most was the scene at the very beginning when he says to her. You haven't even eaten your lunch, and they sh- they uh, pan to the sandwich, the uneaten sandwich on the uh, nightstand, and then mm-hmm. later on, because so that's what she wants. She wants marriage and and family and normalcy. So she goes and she drives and she goes to um, the hotel. What is the first thing that Norman offers her? Is a sandwich, mm-hmm. a, a normal meal in, in mm. a normal setting, and, and and I think that that sort of um, the whole like the light to dark is what uh, Hitchcock's going for there. Like she wants that thing, that normalcy, and then she gets it a little bit from 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 uh, you know Bates, but he's the one who's going to wind up killing her. That that fascinated me. That he offers her a sandwich. I, that's not you know that's not accidental. That's intentional. Yeah. Under the gate. I don't think uh, anything in Hitchcock films are yeah, nothing is much like. There's uh, nothing accidental. Much like Kubrick, nothing is accidental. Under the gaze of those birds, those stuffed birds, he's offering her what she wants. God, that creeps me the fuck out. Right, and that's when she goes into the shower. I'm going to go back and own up to my sins, and that's when he fucking kills her. That's this movie to me, that scene. And even before that, like he almost almost looks at her like almost like a maternal figure in a way because like she's trying to have a conversation with him and like a typical like rebellious you know son. You, you can even kind of see he's getting a little frustrated with like the advice that. 
that maybe she's giving him like in that scene and you know you can kind of see the wheels are turning for something bad's about to happen mm-hmm. yeah, that's yeah definitely the pivotal scene in the film absolutely 100 percent. in the institution uh erica oh so um first part i have a question maybe for people who are more knowledgeable about the novel, which I have not yet read, although I did the summary, but uh, I could see, yeah, unfortunately when I saw this movie, I probably as a teenager, I knew that it was Norman Bates dressed as his mom. Yeah. I like that had already been spoiled for me, but I could see when this came out, if they were not familiar with the novel, that could have been a big shocker for most viewers, they probably would not have guessed that twist unless they had read the novel first. And I'm just wondering if anyone knows how widely read the novel was at that time. So at the time, interesting I don't story. Know. Okay. So interesting story about that. This, this, I do know, um, Hitchcock's assistant, like picked up the novel and read it and like fell in love with him. And she was like, this is your next project. Um, mm. he read it, loved it and went and bought every single copy that was available to avoid oh. the spoiler of the ending. So this was back in that time. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So he went and bought every single copy of the book to preserve the secret of the ending of the movie. Yeah. I, had, I never Pretty knew that. That was face. so cool. Yeah. And, and also on top of that, his uh, uh, Robert Bloch's, uh, I think it was Simon and Schuster who it was published through. Um, they didn't, there was no film clause. And so like Hitchcock basically paid him $9,000 for the rights to, f- to make the film. And that's all he got. Oh, gee. Yeah. Oh, wow. Which, you know, I mean, Hey, that's well, not just for inflation was still right. a lot of money for yeah. that time period, yeah. but still right. fuck, you know, about how iconic and how much money this fucking movie has made that we're still talking about it right. now. Yeah. And I'm, read sure, the I'm book, sure he got something for baseball tell, didn't he? Not him, but like, but like his estate probably got something for Bates Motel, like the TV show, probably. I, I don't know. I'd have to look into I, it. I don't know what the what the copyright is, or you know, if they how that works. I'd have to look into that. I didn't think to do that. That's why Victor Miller told Sean Cunningham, "Give me my fucking money, motherfucker." <laughs> uh, Nico. Well, I was going to kind of go um, piggyback off of what you were just saying, what Erica was just saying about how now all of a sudden, you know, there's like a ton of merchandise um, available at people's fingertips for this movie and even for the for the spinoff series of, of Bates Motel. Like I myself, um, I have the, the two Funko Pops of Norman Bates, like the regular one in color, and then they made a New York Comic Con version where he's in black and white. And there's also... There's all, there's all, and I have it upstairs, and I should have, I should have had it so I could show you guys. But there's also an Alfred Hitchcock Funko Pop, and he's holding the, he's holding the um, the, the film slate, and on the film slate, it's actually for the shower scene from Psycho, uh, is is what what the scene and and the whole bit on the on the slate with you know is, and then you know what you got the the McFarlane movie maniac of Norman Bates. That was the first time there was anything really Psycho, mm. you know, collectible wise, and it, it sold like like fucking hotcakes. So then. You know, Absolutely. from from that point, they realized there's there's pe- that there's an audience here that will buy stuff for this movie. Anything, there's there's t-shirts, there's fucking coffee mugs, there's mm-hmm. they sell like I don't know at the horror cons, which you guys have probably seen when you go. They have like like the keychains from like the cabins that you know yes. that he had for the for the Bates Motel itself. I mean, there's, there's I shower curtains. <laughs> when I got like a horror crate, I've got like they made shower curtains of of Psycho. 
Let me check yeah. the for this. My aunt has a bathroom with the with the the, <laughs> the silhouette on it, and then all the names, and then like blood, and and yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, this, this, this thing, you know, uh, whoever, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping, I mean, the, well, that doesn't really matter to me because I don't give a shit. I'm still going to buy it if I like it. But, you know, whoever whoever came up with the um with the marketing for this after the fact, and this is now almost, what, 61 years later that yeah. we're still right. talking about this. And, you know, the fact that it's still like a, a marketing bonanza, like, just says that people are still, like, you know, thirsty for shit from this movie and they will still buy it if it comes out. Yes. Um. I would have to say, uh, talking about the shower scene, um, Janet Lee, when she did the shower scene, they had to do most of her filming was doing the shower scene. Um, but uh, they did like Molston over her, you know, private parts. Yeah. But they had to do the scene so many times that it eventually washed away. Wow. And the, the, and so by the, the last take, it was gone. She was literally nude. And that's the take that's in the film. You should yeah, know. Yeah, I think they that's I think they shot it for like seven days. The, the shower yeah, and, scene. And so it finally washed away. So so yeah, she didn't have the moleskin on in that scene. She was nude. Completely yeah. nude. And that's you can, in the movie. You could totally see her boobs when uh uh the, the shot of her grabbing the shower curtain. Yeah. Like you, you can. could see like blurred out in the background. You could definitely see her boobs. Hitchcock pulling one over on the sensors or whatever. It's some titties. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you over the head with titties. That was actually how he got it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I saw the floor really quick. Uh, Everybody was talking about their favorite Hitchcock films, and I wanted to point out mine just randomly, and we can go back to Psycho. Um, Shadow of a Doubt uh, is. There, there's two that share the number one spot for me. Shadow of a Doubt is one in it. I love Joseph Cotton um, before he his career went to shit. Uh, I felt so bad for that. He's yeah. an amazing actor, uh, but he was in that uh, with Teresa Wright, who I also love. And that actually is Hitchcock's favorite film that he ever did, is Shadow mm-hmm. of a Doubt. And it has that same factor um, similar to Psycho, where you it starts out and everything's sunny and good and or, 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 you know, you think you're watching one thing and then shit gets really fucking dark, like another switcheroo on you. Mm-hmm. And and this was before Psycho. Um, if you have not seen Shadow of a Doubt, you should watch it, even if you're, um, I don't know, you should see it. And a lot of people don't talk about that film. Um, but, yeah, it's Hitchcock's favorite Hitchcock film. That's mm-hmm. That means something. Um, and then tied with that is Marnie, who no one ever talks about, um, done not too uh, long after Psycho um, with Sean Connery, a young Sean Connery, um, and Tippi Hedren. And uh, that film really pushed the boundaries of a lot of things. I don't know how many. Have you guys seen Marnie? Uh, mm-hmm. I know Sean's seen it because he watched it with me, but you want to talk about <laughs> It, I was like, you have to watch Barney. It's just like I was like, you have to watch uh, Shadow of a Doubt. Um, so that's and poor, and poor Sean was and poor Sean was like, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'll tell you what, I was at first. I was at first, but she's now he takes my some... recommendations. Yeah. No, no, no. Marnie's a good fucking movie. Yeah, uh, definitely. Marnie, and and like... that deals with like psychologically uh, some other shit. It's spooky in its own way. Um, but I don't want to give anything away, so if you haven't right. seen it, please go watch it. Um, yeah, so I, I wanted to throw in my my Hitchcock picks. Of course, all the Jimmy Stewart ones, 
um, after that. But of course, the rear window. The, yeah. Yeah. And I, I like I like Notorious as well. Um, yeah, Notorious is good. I like Saboteur. Oh, uh, Saboteur is so good. Oh my God, yeah. we got Priscilla Sab- Lane yeah. in there. I love her. She's so great. But, um, uh, I, I got to go with Lady Vanishes because Lady Vanishes oh. is, and is see, the that's old school. Yeah, that, that was that was right before he came to Hollywood. And yes, that's that to me old. that's that's the one that is like his most complete because Lady Vanishes has everything: has action, suspense, intrigue, comedy, romance. And that's another one people don't talk about enough. Yeah, that in Marnie. Talk about, uh, yeah, it's it's a fucking perfect movie. The Lady Vanishes, especially uh, my two boys, uh, Charters and Caldecott. The a thing like cricket. <laughs> How dare she? <laughs> you know what I'm like I could go on about charters and color cop, but I yeah, I, well, I, 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 I relate because no, nobody nobody knows who the fuck I'm talking about when I talk. Charters. I definitely I do. don't, bro. You know that I, I know, Rob. Don't. You know that I know. <laughs> like Sean doesn't know yet, but we'll we'll initiate him. Uh, I believe Mac was next. So for me, when it comes to movies, like I like uh, movies that kind of keep it real with what the times were, I guess, in that period. Like, even with dialogue, like, we know Hitchcock was uh, male chauvinistic, so he put it out there with the Texas tycoon dropping money, being real disrespectful. Yeah. And then they go into the office, and the other secretary comes over and is like, yo, he's flirting with you? Oh, man, he must have saw my ring. Like, shooting a dig for no reason. Like, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> then you can also lose me when the cops are like now brought into the picture. She's looking mad suspect. Like, why right. are you looking at this cop so much? If I was yeah. a cop, I would be like, yo, what's going on with you? You on drugs? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, um, the go- because uh, that was that was a focal point in, in Hitchcock's life is that his fear of policemen. The he he's made note that that he had a real big fear of policemen. So like. Too. The way the way like like he purposely made it that you know the way the cop when he first comes into the movie he's looming over you know he's so like like he basically tapes up the whole picture and it's like right th- that's definitely the way he looked at police you know this fearful image just like all in your face and just scary mm-hmm. as fuck you know kind of thing the I mean I don't blame him cops are Scary motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah. I'm scared of them. <laughs> Even when I'm doing nothing wrong, I'm like, yeah. oh, fuck. I'm never doing anything wrong, and I'm scared of them. I, know, I always feel guilty even if I don't. Yeah, I'm like, even if I just see them and I'm driving by, I'm like, am, am I speeding? But you can't look yeah. away. If you guys lock eyes, you got to keep that look, bro. Like, yeah. you can't <laughs> look away. Like then you look suspect. <laughs> Is, is there a problem, Pork? I mean, officer? <laughs> right. <laughs> one thing that I, I don't think maybe aged as well is, like, she is, like, so overtly suspicious, and when she turns her back to him to rummage around in yes. her arms, I think now people would just get shot dead. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking that, yo. on the dash. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, oh, you can't uh, see. No, no, you can't sight, see. Lady. <laughs> Just ima- just imagine if she was black. Oh my god! I was thinking, oh my god! <laughs> I thought, yeah, maybe she's getting a pass because she's a white lady. But yeah. hey, yeah. just turn off your <laughs> engine. And- oh, oh, dude, talk to him in the basement. The cops are scary here for that. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, like you know, saying like, oh, just turn off your engine. If she was black. Stop resisting, yeah. bro. She tried to run the moment he woke her up. That's felony evading. 
Yeah. 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 And he just told, he just said, "Hey, show up here." Oh, relax. <laughs> yeah, relax. yeah. Calm What's down. What's going on? Calm down, white woman. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, white woman. Uh, Dave. The, uh, I think the darkest part of this movie for me is so at the beginning we have them in the hotel room together and she obviously is expressing her desire to like have a normal marriage sort of thing with him yeah. so she, and so she steals the money to pay off his debts mm-hmm. that's the whole right that's oh, her whole okay. okay that yes. makes me mad Mm-hmm. Right, right. I thought she was just stealing money to have a new life. Because he no. says uh, he's got a lot of debt from his dad, who then died. Yeah. And his marriage, uh, he was paying alimony. He right. was divorced. So he steals the money to pay off his debts, drives, you know, from day to night, gets killed by Norman, and then uh, the relationship <laughs> between her ex-boyfriend, because she's dead, Sam and her sister starts developing, right? And you're like, what? Slide on in, baby. Slide on in. He always wanted to like figuring shit out together. It's like Scooby Doo. Hey, you know, that that part was fucking dark. Exactly. She wanted her sister's getting because she got fucking killed trying Hmm. to bail out her boyfriend. It's like. Jesus. If I may interject with one thing, because I keep forgetting, the adult horror, and I'm going to bring this up with Dave, okay, because he's talking. The adult horror of this film that didn't bother me when I was a kid, and I've seen this movie probably a hundred mm-hmm. times or something, the adult horror of it now, uh, being a grown-up and whatever and having to worry about money, she steals all that fucking money, and it's in the newspaper, you know? And and it sinks with the car, and you're like, ah. All that money, all that fucking money. Like he didn't even take the money. He just yeah. fucking killed her and drank. Right. He like just singled. I'm like, all that money. He didn't even notice. It was in the yeah. paper. Yeah, I'm like, in the trunk. He Get out like, of here. He was like, I'm having sexual thoughts. I better shit. fucking murder her. And, um, I mean, yeah, I, I would have felt the money felt. in the paper. Jeffrey's <laughs> was fucked on both ends, from the front and the back. The guy she was trying to bail out and the guy she wound up with. They both. Fucking killed her, you know. And then, oh, and then, and then, and then to, and then to add to that, in Psycho Two, you find out that Sam and Lila got married and had kids. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, Slide on in, man. Slide on in. Hell no. That makes me fucking just curious. Mind together, yeah. And excuse me, but Vera Miles is no Janet Lee. No, but Vera Miles is fucking awesome. She's not man. bad, though. I'm not saying she is bad. I'm just saying she's not Janet Leigh. She's close. Nah, Vera Miles is awesome. I mean, yeah, of course, she's no Janet Lee. She's not, but, that's uh, what I'm saying. I'm not saying she's, she's bad. Awesome. I'm saying she's not Janet Leigh. She's pretty close, though. Uh, yeah, if, you have a dime, you, if you can't have a dime, you can have an eight. Or seven point five. <laughs> right. I mean, I guess I just don't like that, but I, a lot of people do. So, okay, uh, Nico. Um, one thing I kind of want to ask to the, to the, to the panel here: Do you think that um, if this movie came out today, as it is now, do you think that it would still get stuck with an R rating? No. Yeah. No. PG thirteen, maybe. Tops. Right? Tops. For well, some yeah. reason, it's still saddled with an R rating to this day. 
And I think it's because of his it's it's like legendary status, you know. I think because of his legacy that it's it has that R rating still because people have found it so offensive all through time. I mean, the fact that we're still talking about the fact that it is still prominent in the horror genre, the horror community, that people love it so much. That's why it sticks because anything it's anything slightly horror are. Slightly disturbing R. It's like nothing is disturbing about it anymore. I mean, it was disturbing this, at the time. We had this conversation about Rocky Horror. Like, I don't think Rocky Horror would be rated R now either. I think that would be oh, a PG-13. Yeah, perfect. Except, I mean, I mean, you see, you see Columbia's nipples a lot. Yeah, but they probably would have done something with that. I mean, even him saying mind fuck, you can say fuck once in a, in a yeah, PG-13 in that context. In a, in, in, in a non-sexual manner. And that's still relatively new because when I was 13, right, that, that came out in 84. Right. And then when we were kids, 84 was really, what was it? Gremlins and Temple of Doom is kind of what got the ball started with, with PG 13 for it, it yeah. definitely yeah. Parents, parents groups. But real quick, but before I, I don't know, I want to stay on topic with Psycho for this, for this part, just because I actually got to see it a couple years ago. Um, on the big screen, it was, I forget which anniversary it was, but they they showed it. it was with bitch face, and I took her to go see it because she had never seen it. So, ah, yeah, yeah, but she it got to see it for the face. first time on the big screen, and it was my first time seeing it on the big. Screen. I've I've seen it, but to see it on the screen like that, yeah, on the big and it's screen. weird because it's such a small film, like at its heart, but it just it just seemed like such like a big event on that screen when it was playing. So it was actually yeah. like like it was actually kind of cool to see it like in a movie theater. That's, That's how I felt, and I know. Okay, I'm probably about to get like murdered for this, but uh, last year was uh, <laughs> 2019 uh, was the 80th anniversary of Gone with the Wind, so I finally got to see that on the big screen. That was like a bucket list thing for me. Uh, but um, when the IMAX opened, and we um, here in Indy, we had the biggest IMAX for quite some time. And when it first opened here, I got to see Casablanca on the big screen. That Ooh. was like fucking bucket list. Humphrey Bogart that huge. I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> I love him so much. But, yeah, Psycho, I've never had the pleasure. We we don't get stuff like that here too often. Um, hopefully, once COVID That's gets under thing. control, that we'll have some cool, more, like, cool events here. It was um, actually one of those uh, Phantom, those, those Fathom events. It was one yeah. of those. Yeah. yeah, and I like that they have those because we've gone to a couple. That's how I saw uh, the Gone with the Wind at the 80th anniversary. Uh, I dragged poor Sean to that. He never would sit through the whole thing because it's four hours long, but he sat through the whole fucking thing. I, that's, how I saw, that's how I saw uh, um, Wizard of Oz and shit. And uh, that's a that's a funny one because uh, uh, I was with Di and uh, we got there late and we missed Dorothy singing uh, Over the Rainbow and uh, that was like ten years ago, and I have never forgiven her for that. <laughs> you saw Wizard of Oz on the big screen. I, got, I, I yeah. actually got to, watch, but when I worked at the movie theater, we got it as part of like. Uh, and it was I saw like, Wizard of, of like, Oz on the big screen. It was the free she summer, she like, knows. free free summer movies for kids. We actually had like a, a a paper from Warner Brothers that came in the tin that we ha- we had to wear gloves, put the print together, and it had to be put together in such a way that it doesn't damage the film. Mm. Wow. Wow. Like there was so many restrictions with the Wizard of Oz when we got it, but it was awesome to see it on the big screen for the like really That's like the my first wife's time. Favorite movie. Oh yeah. And yeah. One thing I'm glad I got to see favorite. twice in theaters on two separate. And I wish like you know the second time I saw it in a, in a theater was like more of a sadder occasion. But I mean, Purple Rain. 
back at its original price for five dollars. Oh, I never got to see that. Oh, I, well, I saw I saw it when it first came out as a kid, but I got to see it the weekend that like the week that he died. Um, the, the theaters were showing it around here for for one weekend only. I back at its original price of five dollars to get in. So. Oh my god. See purple rain for the second time, and it was like oh, it was packed. It was sold out because like every every Prince fan was like in that theater was singing along. That was when everybody that's when everybody started blowing their eyes out during that scene because that's like when oh, it kind of hit. I cry like, every time I see done. that anyway. But when he yeah. died, now that he's dead, and since he's died, especially yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, like that, that uh, song takes on a whole different meaning now that he's Nico and I are really good at talking about Prince, so. <laughs> Um, oh. Nobody has their hand up. This is the part where we fall oh, wow. apart. Hey, uh, yeah. Now we just need to talk <laughs> over each other. Yeah, this, this is see, it, it starts out and we do well, and then we're like, "Fuck it." Uh, <laughs> well, it's the last half hour. You know what I mean? Nine thirty. <laughs> so um, we've already talked about how many of us like this is impacted and uh, what our favorite Hitchcock films are. So, you know what? I think it's safe for us to go ahead and give ratings. Mm-hmm. Anybody want to start? I'll start. I will okay, give man. it seven and a half chocolate syrups. And my <laughs> reasoning behind that is <laughs> I've heard that said before. He's gotten mad horror screams out of chocolate syrup. And I did not know what the hell people were talking about. Then I rewatched it. And I'm like, ah, black and white. Blood, no blood, yeah. chocolate syrup. Oh my God, <laughs> what an idiot! <laughs> so that is why I get seven and a half chocolate syrups. But it looks so good as blood because it does. Uh, Romero did it too in yep, uh, Night of the right. Dead, that's that's right. black and white film, which nobody was making black and white films in 1968, but you know Romero was. I would like to watch okay. some more. They're interested. Uh, uh, I can give you a list. <laughs> no, 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 I have to go with I have to go with Rogers because he's been trying the longest. Works. Okay, yeah. well I can suggest to Rob who can suggest to you. Oh shit. Uh, <laughs> Sean's you you can you can start with that. Nosferatu, motherfucker. Uh, yeah. 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 Oh. Silent. No, he's not ready for ah, man, silent. We'll he that. needs to be eased into silent. Right, right. Silent she she understands. <laughs> Trust me, I've been I've been conforming people for years. Um oh, damn. I'm gonna I'm gonna give this uh, eight out of ten flushing toilets. Um, <laughs> I think it's you know as a film it's a masterpiece. It has one of the most memorable scenes in film history. Um, this the score is phenomenal. It's just not one of my favorites. And you know like I said earlier maybe it was just you know just shoved in my face for so long um and it's it's been held in such high regard that you know the times that i've watched it i'm kind of like you know it's enjoyable but i'm kind of like eh you know i i agree that we did not do a rewatch for this we just watched it two months ago we're like eh and i and i kind of agree i enjoy birds better um but this 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 film still you know still has its uh its appeal um so yeah eight out of ten pretty good uh erica yeah so uh for for being someone who did not particularly like this film for a long time i I think it was at least 15 years since i last saw it maybe a bit longer having watched it again i like it a lot more um i'm gonna go with nine out of ten mommy's boys 
<laughs> Damn it, you took mine though. Oh, darn it. Sorry. <laughs> but good, but good rating. Um, I'm just docking one point because the the whole psychological theory thing at, at the end does not age well. It's uh, you know, it was a product of its time, but now it's just debunked and it's bullshitty. So I'm docking a point for that and also for the whole, oh, his overbearing mother, you know, drove him insane, misogyny, crap. So, but other than that, you know, my pet peeves, it is a masterpiece. It's um, suspenseful. The um, the musical score is excellent. Uh, there are some shocking moments that still work now, even though. I already knew the twist before I saw it, unfortunately. So That's unfortunate. Yeah, I didn't know. My yeah. mom got me young, so before I could be spoiled. Um, I guess that, that goes to me because I had raised my hand. Okay. Um, I am I've I've gone back to generous candy. So I'm I because uh, I'm using Rob's M word of masterpiece here. This is a masterpiece. I'm giving it ten out of ten taxidermy birds. Um I ha- mine was mommy's voice. Um I just think, uh, uh, just echoing a lot of uh, what's already been said, the score's phenomenal. Um, I do agree with Erica about, like, the dated psychology. But, you know, at the time, that was, like, state-of-the-art shit. And as we discussed the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, you know, uh, it was really barbaric uh, psychological care, really, to, like, the late 80s into the 90s. Really, Prozac changed a lot of things. And... Uh, you know, and we and we have debunked a lot of bullshit that was formerly believed because people just whatever. There were just theories, but now we have science. But uh, yeah, but besides that, I really like uh, the the movie within a movie aspect. Um, I love that it wasn't spoiled for me because I got the full effect of you know this this ending, and it was so chilling. And even and because I had that as my original experience, every time I watch it, I have that experience. You know, and I think that that matters. Why I'm always really big on when I introduce someone to a film, I'm like, you have to be like this, and we have to do this because this, this first experience is very important as, as to how you're going to feel about this film, like later on, as to whether it's going to be a favorite. And this one is definitely a favorite. It's uh, it's so iconic. It's so important to the horror genre. Even if you don't like it, you have to be respectful towards it. You have to appreciate it. You know, um, so yeah, but I, I do enjoy it. It's not my favorite Hitchcock film either, though. It's not. It's not even in my top five. But it's it's uh, it's so great that I can't give it anything but a ten. Um, Rob, uh, I will give it uh, nine and a half out of ten. Mighty Duckmen. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the Mighty Duck Man, I swear to God. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'll give it nine and a half out of ten uh, candy corn. Ah. Uh, yeah. That's good I like it. That, that was one you was going for, Nico? I was. It's cool. You got it. My bad, my bad, bro. You have to go on the fly like I did. <laughs> yeah. Um I, I will take I won't I won't take off as much um for the uh the, the dated uh, psychological talk at the end and shit. I usually fast forward through that shit because it's it's so long and it's so fucking on the nose and it's so fucking boring. Um, also, uh, John John Gavin is is not great as Sam Loomis. Like I could like I don't know like Hitchcock hated him 
and called him the stiff. So like, why the fuck you hire him in the first place, motherfucker? Word. Like making a fuck- low budget film, dude. You gotta right. be <laughs> right. He, he can't be choosy. Right, right. Uh, uh, he he's to this. He's the cycle with like Keanu. It's the Bram Stoker's Dracula. Like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you you, you are fucking stiff, man. But um, <laughs> other than that, uh, other than that, yeah. Uh, like I said, I don't like to throw the M word around, but uh, absolute fucking masterpiece of a movie. Um, genius level filmmaking. And it really just, you know, it's Hitchcock fucking around. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, you know, ah, you know, let me just do some low budget piece of shit, you know. And and he basically changed the genre forever. He changed cinema yeah. forever with this fucking movie. And it's yeah. just, this is just, this is just him fucking around. Like, could you believe that? That's that's just, that's amazing. You know, <laughs> that shows the genius of him right there. So, I mean, he's a prick, but the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fucking yeah. genius, just fucking genius, motherfucker, right there. Yeah, rubbing his shit as a person, but that's okay. Whatever. Yeah. Now it's not that it's okay, but it's like we just know that, and there's nothing we can do. He's dead. It's been a long time. Um, <laughs> still we are heartily sorry for his sins. His, 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 his like I just wanted to mention though, um, his daughter Pat is in the movie. She's the other secretary in the, and uh, she is cute as a button in, in the film. Oh, the uh, thrower. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the he must have saw my ring. No, like <laughs> let, let me tell you, let me tell you, um, the line I uh, um, we all go a little mad sometimes. I use that line for an intro, but I was this close to using I declare. <laughs> because I love that line so fucking much, the way she delivers that, and the way she's talking about uh, Teddy called what? to see my mother called, and my mother called to see if Teddy called. You know, like the, um, nobody, nobody it, gives a uh, shit about your life story, bitch. <laughs> wasn't Pat also in Strangers on a Train? If I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah. Okay. He he, he okay. threw her in there a lot. He threw her in there a lot. She was uh, cute, Nat too. She was not? Yeah, she was just. Yeah, yeah. Pat, Pat, Pat was uh, cute as a button. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So. There's you have to be saying absolutely all the time. Thanks. <laughs> totally. Right. Now you got now I'm you got go Mac on. Totally. Now, now you got Mac on and shit. You be gonna be saying hundred percent and no fucking hundred percent. Hundred percent. Totally because I can't keep absolutely. saying absolutely. Absolutely. I say totally again. Totally is my word. Uh, Dave, it's totally your turn. Yeah. Yeah, I can't give this anything less than ten out of ten mummified mamas. <laughs> <laughs> It's hard, it's hard to even put into words. It's like um, Hitchcock took like the nuclear family and then he immediately fucked it up with them in the hotel in the beginning. And then she like tries to escape that. So you think, okay, she's going to try to like redeem that. And then she gets murdered by this guy who's like possessed by his mother. Uh, I, I, I can't, it's just so um, amazing to me. Um, I love, I love it. Movie. Um, I think Hitchcock had some problem with women. He loved watching. He loved you watching don't them. say. Them mm. Showers. Yeah, he was a dark motherfucker. But <laughs> let's not mention how he tortured Tippi Hedren in fucking the birds. Okay. Yeah. Either PTSD. Yeah. Although the last couple of minutes with the uh, detective talking about it is is long and drawn out. I get. I, but I think that was the studio wanting. <laughs> For the dumber yeah. audience members. Yeah. But I, I can't, uh, after discovering this movie, re, I'm sorry, rediscovering it, 
getting ready for this podcast. I just love this movie so much. It's so dark, and it's like Hitchcock's just just fucking all of us. He's just like, you know what? Here's the family unit. So fucked up. Just like turn on its head. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, totally. Yeah. hundred percent. Absolutely. <laughs> totally. My my sentiments exactly. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Why thank you. I was I was gonna say, Dave, you really like the beginning of this movie. <laughs> yeah. Like 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 yeah like I, I noticed that uh, throughout the entire uh, uh, con- convo, you went back to the beginning of the movie like a number of times. <laughs> well, maybe he's got a thing for Dan Lee. Who doesn't? I normal thing. And then like she goes off and she finds it with because you know when Norman offers her those sandwiches. In that mm-hmm. scene in the in the uh, lobby of the hotel, that's the scene of the movie. He's offering her what she wanted at the beginning, those mm-hmm. sandwiches, and then he's gonna fucking stab her to this later on. It's like, you know, it's like that's she crazy. ate those sandwiches. Wait, yeah. wait. No, let me let me tell you let me tell you let me tell you real quick before uh, you go to Nico. Um, I I was this close also to asking if uh, I could quote Psycho Two because I love the line. Would you like to have some of my toasted cheese sandwich? <laughs> that I love that line so fucking much. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that was it. <laughs> okay, uh, Nico. All right, so I'm not afraid to use the M word, and this will be one of the few that like I probably rate on this the show that is a complete and total masterpiece. Uh, this is 10 out of 10 shower heads. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Um, the film is iconic in every way, shape, and form. It's legendary. Um, while it wasn't the first of the, the slasher genre, this was pretty much considered the granddaddy, and rightfully so. Um, you know, to kind of echo what everybody else was saying, you know, this was Hitchcock just having fun and not even trying his hardest to do something. And, right. you know, to kind of join Rob's uh, sentiment in the fact that, you know, he not only changed cinema with this film, he also really shaped the, the, the slasher genre going forward mm-hmm. because without this movie, um, I mean, Texas Chainsaw would have still happened regardless, but we don't get Halloween the way that Halloween is. Yeah, exactly. We don't get, you know, the million imitators of Halloween, like Friday the 13th or even Nightmare on Elm Street to a degree. I don't think we get that without Psycho happening first, and we damn sure don't get Scream without Psycho happening first. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, know? if we did get Nightmare on Elm Street, we definitely weren't getting Scream because Wes Craven right. would not have. Right. Right. <laughs> right. We also um, we we not not uh, sorry, Nico. We also wouldn't get uh, a lot of Brian De Palma's career because Brian yeah. De Palma. We wouldn't right. get Sisters. We wouldn't get uh, um, uh, Dressed to Kill. We wouldn't get Body Double. Uh, we couldn't get Raising Cain without Psycho. So, you know, I mean, and, and the, I love the, fucking Brian De Palma. So under underplay the the value of this film is you, you have yeah, to be yeah. idiot, honestly to really underplay the fact that this movie is iconic. It's influential in every way, shape, and form. Um, to me, this is Hitchcock's best film because it just showed what if like he like he said he wasn't trying, and look yeah. what he created by not trying. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean. If, if it wasn't for this, honestly, like to, to kind of piggyback off the Halloween thing, like Halloween and, and Psycho are very similar in the fact that like they use like their score to kind of like amp up the atmosphere 
and yes. it's you know right. both are relatively goreless and you know you just I mean, yeah Halloween you see a little more stuff yeah. but you know at the time when Psycho came out to kind of you know echo what Dave was saying you know this was like is this was a taboo controversial first of its kind thing like the toilet flushing yeah we laugh now about it but that was a big deal then the fact that on the movie poster even Anthony Perkins is like only but like a sliver on there if you notice and then you have Janet Lee in her bra and you got John Gavin with his shirt off that was a big deal back then the opening sequence that Dave keeps right and the and then Dave keeps referencing the opening scene that was a big deal then because they were unmarried they were just got done having sex you know, and then here she goes, steals money from her boss. And, you know, a lot of this shit was very, like, first of its kind. And this was just Hitchcock just having a ball with the source material. Yeah. And really you know? playing with, uh, you know, playing off the careers of Janet Lee and uh, Anthony Perkins, who already had a film career playing good girls and good boys. And so leading you even further into believing you know, the movie was something that it wasn't, you know, that it wouldn't end up being, you know, like, okay, we're, we're involved in this. It's going on for a long time. Oh, you know, here's the thing. She, she did this caper and, oh, here's this other character. Oh, what the fuck? You know, you um, know what, though? All, all, all of Hitchcock's genius that we praise him for for this film, none of that means shit. If Janet Lee didn't pull off that character the way that she did, and especially if Anthony oh, Perkins yeah. didn't play Norman Bates the way that he did, if those two factors of the film do not work this movie we would not be talking about it right now we would not have the horror genre the way that we do now if not for like you know we talk about creative show how it's like the holy three with with stephen king tom savini and george romero yes without these three coming together forming like voltron to kind of i know there's there's two missing pieces but bernard herman would be like the other piece and then the actual like you know cinematographer would, would also be in there as well coming together to form like voltron this this absolutely shaped the horror genre going forward, and now now look, you have the A and E series. I mean, it's 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 done now, but it had a successful run for five seasons of Bates Motel. There was the sequels, there was the shitty shot for shot remake. None of that happens if this didn't hit first. Yeah, totally. Yes. I mean, and I mean, the amount really the amount of, to acknowledge that. Yes. Right, and then the amount of careers that actually launched not not just from this movie directly, but that indirectly it launched, like we said, Brian De Palma. John mm-hmm. Carpenter, even Wes Craven to a degree, even Quentin Tarantino, if you go for it, because I'm sure yes, he'll, yes. he'll cite this one of his you know, even Robert Rodriguez, like like the list goes on and on that that this film I would even say I would even go as far honestly, this this could even you know, because of the whole gender bending, this might have even influenced Sleepaway Camp to a degree. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm sure and Sleepaway did. Camp uh, really like brought that uh back. You know, all of this stuff piggybacks, you know, to keep this genre going, to keep it alive, we're all piggybacking. And a lot of it goes back to Psycho. Psycho inspired this, and this will be the last which thing inspired the, this, which inspired this. I mean, it's probably the last thing I say about the, about the film, because I, I, I honestly can't praise it enough. But, you know, choosing to film in black and white and then the fact that I know Paramount did put it out, but Universal owns it now. It's yeah. almost like, like it's almost like like a wink to like the old Universal monsters that yes. they were all filmed in black and white. And like this new movie monster who was this meek, skinny, like just unassuming, you know, boy next door was one of the ultimate movie monsters later on. And we, we still talk about Norman Bates as like one of those movie monsters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Uh, Rob. 
I, I uh, going to when uh, piggyback on what Nico was saying about uh, Quentin. Quentin uh, is a fan of series, but he actually uh, said that he prefers Psycho the 2. Remake. Yeah, no, yeah, he likes the remake too for some reason as well. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a weird, he's a weird guy. Yeah, he's a weird. He guy. I mean, you know, he'll he'll find anything. There's another weird motherfucking director right yeah, now. Yeah, and and Jeff Fahey said that when he was working on Planet Terror, that Quentin and Robert Rodriguez would quote Psycho Three to him the whole time he was there. It's like, what the fuck are y'all talking about? It's like, oh, that's right, it's my lines from Psycho Three. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean. Uh, so Psycho Two is uh, fucking great. Um, Tom I mean, Holland and not not Spider Man Tom Holland, but Fright Night Tom Holland. Yeah, and even exactly. that. Okay, just, just real quick too to kind of piggyback off that. Fright Night to me, it always felt like like a vampire rear window. So again, exactly. Hitchcock it, it, yeah. in the vampire yes. yeah. Plus, yeah. Chris Sarandon, and I'm never mad about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Chris Sarandon. He's sexy. Yeah. Robbie even yeah. said he's, he's like, I'd fuck him in that movie. I'm like, they. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The great Roddy yeah. McDowell is Peter Vincent. No, when he's in the club Everybody's scene, when he's got when he's got the fucking sweater on, that fucking yeah. sweater yeah. with the, with the baggy like, neck. Like, hell yeah. yeah like, yeah. oh, yeah. Is yeah, this your Jamie Fox Prince moment? Yeah, yeah. Dance with me, Jerry Dandridge, please. Oh yeah, God. you can't look Jerry Dandridge in the eye. Oh, yeah, totally. And shit. It's like, no, yeah, no. it's like with Prince. Don't look him in the eye. You looked in the eye, didn't you? Yeah, oh, yeah. I fucked up for eight years. Oh, yeah, now, you, now you're fucked up. He <laughs> <laughs> was at Horror House a couple of years ago, Chris Sarandon was. I couldn't go over there to him because I was afraid of exactly that. I couldn't look him in the eye. My daughter went over there, our, our oldest daughter, because she's a big Nightmare Before Christmas fan, and uh, got his, uh, him the sign uh, thing of Jack Skellington. But I couldn't go over there because I'm like, I'm going to look him in the eye, and I'm gonna be, it's going to be a Billy Zane experience all over again where my knees are going to get weak. And I yeah. That was so embarrassing. I'll retell that story when we do Demon Night. Um, what a cork so, yeah. and insane. It's <laughs> <laughs> a walk off. Okay. Um, yeah, I've got big love that movie. For Demon Night. Demon Night is happening. So I that's a little sneak peek. And Demon Night is happening soon. But yeah. uh, I'd like to take this moment uh, before we do plug to talk about our next episode and uh, continuing the serial killer trend. Although this one is fictional, uh, we're doing American Psycho, starring the also a dick in real life, but an amazing actor yeah. Christian Bale. Yeah, and, I love uh, that movie I have though. So many things to say about this, and I, I, I may actually bring up Brett Snellis, and don't be mad at me for that. Yeah. I, you I will. Read that book so we can talk. I got about. some fucking yeah. shit to say I've about Brett Snellis. I, I have things to say about the novel, but I love the movie. Hopefully you agree with me about the novel. Uh, but the movie, yes, the movie, uh, it's one of those, with Brett Easton Ellis, I will say this just ahead of time, just to get it out of the fucking way. Uh, Brett Easton Ellis is a shit writer, but he has great ideas, great yeah. stories. Ooh. The movies are always better, and you will never hear me say that about anybody else ever, ever. No. <laughs> That's that. That's that. But so, American Psycho, let's get pumped for that. Um, Yay. Sue, Sue, studio. I can't <laughs> wait to talk about that soundtrack. No, let me let me oh, tell you man, real that quick. That fucking well, soundtrack makes me want to die. Like, please shoot me with a nail gun. Oh, 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 it's me, like yacht rocked bullshit that I can't stand. Let, let me let me get a funny story out. Let me get a Genesis, funny story. Genesis. I got I got it. I got a funny anecdote. So um, I'm I'm a young baby, right? And I'm learning to walk and all that stuff. 
mom's got maternity leave because she's watching me. Pop's at work, and uh, she said that Pop would come home after a hard day at work and relax the listening to would relax listening to Phil Collins. And it's like, oh, okay, okay, okay. And she said that uh, back in the day when I'm a baby, I got loose, and one day I found one of his his, his favorite Phil Collins record, and I fucking snapped it in half. Oh, yeah. yay! <laughs> right. Right, and he came home looking for his favorite Phil Collins record to zone out to, and it was broken because I broke it. And he was like, "She was like your father." He looked like he was almost in tears. Like he was so like, well, "Weren't you watching him?" Like he got, he got. Why weren't you watching him? Right. <laughs> right. So, so, so check it out. So. So me, like, you know, thinking of Phil Collins, I'm like, it had to have been in the air tonight because that's a great zone out. Oh, no, 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 it was fucking Susudio. <laughs> like, and I'm like, in the air tonight. Right, I cannot right. do it. It makes me throw up. Right, and I'm like, at first I asked him, like, Pop, who the fuck zones out to Susudio? Like, that, that's <laughs> not a zone out record. Drag, so. and, and, then, and then another time they were showing American Psycho in that scene and shit. He was in the back. I'm like, Pop, come here. Come here. He's like, your what jam. the fuck is this? <laughs> like, no, they're playing your yeah, they're playing your jam, Pop. Look, look, look. And it's just this fucking in, uh, uh, just amazing scene. And Pop was like, uh, you're fucking crazy, man. I'm not watching yeah. this. I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm like, but they're playing the studio. Not for this studio. Yeah. yeah. I'm out of here. I'm out of here, son. I'm out of here. So, like, even with us, uh, jumping the gun, which I started, uh, we still have so much to say about American Psycho. And we will be joined by our brother podcast friend, Ian from Behind the Screams. We'll Yay. be there for uh, American Psycho. So we're really excited to hear what he has to say. I know he's a fan, as we all are. I think <laughs> we'll find out that too. Um, Rob plugs. Um, of course the action junkies, uh, we had just had our season finale. Um, season two will be coming up soon. To, uh, be ready for that. We got a great season premiere. Wink, wink. Um, <laughs> um also of course, Oh, of course. <laughs> oh yeah, you're gonna get you're gonna get a lot of you're gonna a get a lot big of big dick energy. Oh, it's gonna be a lot of big. There's dick. a lot of big dick. Big. big, I know. Big, sweaty man, big dicks, and all that kind of other shit in this conversation. Dump trucks full of balls. Just, just be, pre- be prepared. Be prepared. But also, uh, you can find us uh, oh, oh, as uh, at Action Drunkies on Twitter. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, YouTube. We have shit on, on our YouTube page, but we'll be adding to it soon. Um, the, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Action junkies. And of course, um, I just wanted to shout out my my, uh, my buddy Mike on uh, um, Atkins Undisputed. He's been having a shit week, so uh, shout out to Mike. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, work's been kicking ass, but I just wanted to shout my boy out then, uh, you know. Well, I really I really enjoy Mike, and Mike will be joining us for an episode I have mentioned, but we'll, you'll have to figure that yeah. one out for yourself. Yeah, yeah. Mike so, will be back, and hopefully this time we won't have uh, connection issues. Yeah, Because uh, yeah. we totally yeah. shit that on that one. He he said he said that uh, he, like he said that uh, like you guys were more concerned about it than I was you know I was just having a good time you know what I'm saying because it was so embarrassing to us like yeah like, oh shit like yeah like here, here's this. right here's Mike and shit like we, we we like to joke around that Mike is one step away from becoming a fucking mega producer with gold chains hanging over his taco meat you know what I'm saying he's. <laughs> 
he, he's sitting there fucking talking to big stars and all that shit and all that and uh, like oh, like yeah we're really impressing him he was like no nah, i don't give a fuck you know i was having a great time and shit you know shit happens you we know were what talking saying? about that live so of course it was fun but yeah, yeah. <laughs> this time it'll be better and um we're talking about something fun that i've already mentioned so mike will be back for that and i'll be glad yeah. to see him yeah yeah uh, definitely. Yeah, he, he's fun. I'd like to talk to him more. But, yeah, I'm definitely excited uh, for Ian to be on next week um, for me on the screen. So, yeah, that'll be a blast. It always is. Even though he stays up till 3 in the morning there in the U.K. to be on our show. He does. He does my does second it. dream. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hopefully asleep usually by then. I don't know. Just depends on the night. After this, I'm jumping in the sack. Yo. I'm going to the the medicine cabinet, and then I gotta take the shit off my face, and then I'm going into the bed um, to fuck around on my phone for three hours. Uh, anybody else? Uh, Erica, do you have any clucks? Any updates on Andrew? Is he still? Is he better? I know you said that he was feeling better, but is he like 100? Yeah, percent He's back to work. He got an official negative COVID test um, a week or two ago. Congratulations, Jay. So, yeah, that, that let him go back to work at the brewery. He's uh, back serving beer on site and food and all that good stuff. So that's great to hear. Um, as far as plugs, um, you can just find me at My Horrific Life and Instagram at My Horrific Life. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Uh, Dave? <laughs> no, nothing. Just this is the best <laughs> podcast ever. And if you don't listen to this. Yay! Yeah, you're an idiot. So that's it. Thank you, uh, Mac the Uh I'll echo off my brother, Action Junkies. Definitely check us out. And uh, you're already listening, but you should be listening here to House of Screams. And uh, Mike, keep your head up, boy. Act is undisputed. Turn that yeah, frown upside down. Yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely. Best wishes his way. Uh, Nico. You can just find me on Instagram and Twitter at El Huffy Del Horror. I think I'm finally out of um, the boss. I think I'm finally out of Twitter jail now after um, <laughs> a very, very tumultuous week of, um, you know, I'll just say it now. I mean, he may look like an orange, but he's now a two time peach. So. Yeah, Fuck but off, cocksucker. <laughs> you can find me on um, Facebook at Nico Nice, and that's pretty much all I got. Um, I do got to talk to you off the air. Me? Oh yeah. What I do? How about something that we talked about that I, you and I were talking about behind the scenes. I have a phone call oh. with somebody. I got I got a phone call with her tomorrow about that. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Get in touch with me. We'll talk about that. Right. Definitely. Um. Just, I gotta tell you, Nika, really quick, uh, whenever you say El Jefe de Del Horror, <laughs> just say the boss. It's like a talisman. It's like, I have to say it. It's like, it just gives you, gives us power. When your twins I was, activate. <laughs> I was gonna change it to Liquid Sex, but like, I just figured it's just might as well just leave it at what it is. No, you're the boss. You gotta yeah, be the exactly, boss. So, you know. <laughs> and so I have to call you the boss when you say you're the boss. I'm like, yes, you're the boss. <laughs> that, that's true. Uh, as for me, um, obviously I run my fucking mouth on here on the House of Screams. That's not the only place I'm limited to running my fucking mouth. I am the mouthpiece of this show. So you can find us on Twitter at House underscore Screams. That is me. That's why sometimes there's some girly shit on there and they're like, what the fuck? Uh, that's me. Um, I'm girly. Sorry. 
You can like horror and be girly. It's a thing. Um, you know, power. Also, uh, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Candy the Final Girl, just doing various random shit that I do. Um, a lot of it's horror based. I do some really cool fucking promos for the show on there that I take a lot of pride in. Um, and then there's random makeup stuff if you're into that. If you're not, okay, you can look at my mug. I don't know. Uh, I'm on Slasher Candy, the final girl, which is pretty much I just strictly post about the show. So basically everything comes full circle. Back to the house that screams. This is my other child, child number four. And um, But it's not really my show. It's our show. So, you know, you can't really just because I'm the mouthy bitch doesn't mean I'm the boss. We already know that Nico's the boss. But, uh, no, really, this is everyone's show, and everyone works so hard on it. So, you know, seek them out. Uh, and uh, thank you guys for everything. It was a great conversation. I'm really, really looking forward to American Psycho. I, I got to say, really, really looking forward to it. And I'm glad we got this one. This was a fun conversation, but it was one of those, like, just a buildup. It's definitely just a buildup to what we've got coming. So. Absolutely. <laughs> totally. 100%. Work. Word. <laughs> Word. 